From point conception to the Mexican border, this is the SoCal Bite. I'm Nathan Callahan. On today's menu, little beasts, child rearing in an adult world. I am not myself today. It isn't because I'm awash in all variety of ruination that my 17-year-old dog Luna died in my arms last Wednesday or that my 100-year-old senile grandmother, of whom I am the only grandchild, called me Herman, her long-deceased brother's name, and told me to milk the cows. I consented, hundreds of miles from the nearest bovine udder. And it isn't because Saturday, just after the earthquake, I crashed a 1,600-name database. These things are tenuous. Like Casablanca's Rick, I recognize a hill of beans when I see one. What is the crux of my distress, what is bothering me more than anything else, is Dylan. Dylan, an 11-year-old who was named in a folk rock fit of passion, is, simply put, a spoiled little puke. He creates messes that he has no intention of cleaning up. He throws things in your face. He purposely torments his seniors with selfish and outlandish requests. He laughs in their faces when they grovel to fulfill his wishes. He defies his parents, who have developed the new-age, brain-heavy, limp-spine approach to child-rearing. Dylan rules, and he knows it. And the reason Dylan rules is not because he is more intelligent or stronger, or has more money, power, or leverage. The reason Dylan rules is because he is a child. David, his father, is genteel, middle-aged, intellectual. One of the goals of his life, a goal he shares with his wife, Melissa, is to create the perfect human These altruistic Dr. Frankensteins, both professors at the University of California at Irvine, have substantial incomes and are admired community-wide as hard-working, civic-minded, and perceptive. But they live in a black hole when it comes to the relationship they have with their son, Dylan. Personally, I never cared for the little beast, but my niece likes to play with him, so I endure. Today, however, is different. In my troubled and shaky terrain, I'm prepared to take my stand. Inspired by all things dark and dangerous, I feel ennobled. I feel like an adult. Today, after a very enjoyable two-hour conversation, Offspring and Sugar Ray, Mirror Ball and Stan Kenton, Van and Jim Morrison, Acid House and Acid Rain, John Wayne and Gacy, David and I stroll into the living room. He gently tells Dylan that it is time to stop playing, time to go home for dinner. Dylan, however, who is playing at the Xbox, objects. He has another plan and a means to accomplish it. First, there is the body language, the disgruntled exhalation of air, the tossing of the arms to his side. Next, the fierce look, eye to eye with his father, lips curling back. Then, out it comes. No, he says. No, in a seditious 11-year-old brat way. No, like I've heard him say hundreds of times. After punctuating his defiant glare, Dylan turns around, completely ignoring his father, and continues play. 
With a shrug of his shoulders, David laughs nervously and gives me the ironic, What can you do? Sideways look. A spark arcs across uncharted territory in my gray matter. I sing the body electric. I am awake with a revelation ten times more absolute than post-migraine clarity. Go home, Dylan, I say firmly. Why? he barks back. Because, I say, Daniel Plainview running through my head. I'm done. And I am done. David and Dylan leave. I've been told by David that Dylan is in the midst of developing his personality, that soon his persona will be locked in place. I am told that if something unnatural occurs during his development, before that blessed point in his life that freezes his personality, a point that, according to lore, I passed decades ago, that his only escape will be years of psychiatric treatment. Well-respected academic child-rearing authorities address this doctrine of confined development in Zen all-knowing, all-seeing, seriousness. They ordain the religion of a life lived looking backwards, always defining potential with recollection. Give Dylan lots of space, room to grow. His bad behavior should be ignored and praise should be lavished on him. If all goes well, he will grow up uncluttered, non-dysfunctional, a model of creative prowess. If all goes well, he will look back on his childhood as the wellspring of all he is and all he will become. But David's wellspring, his father's wellspring, is now, and he is being cheated by Dylan. Outside of work, everything he does, every place he goes, is based on whether or not Dylan can go there too. There are little league games and swim meets and guitar lessons and parenting classes and the latest animated film classic and math tutors and drawing classes ad infinitum. Like millions of other well-meaning, upwardly mobile, urban, professional do-gooders, David is afraid to be disliked by his children. He's afraid that in that moment of confrontation and denial, the child's innocence will be lost. And so it should be. To be without innocence is to want to be everything without ceasing to be ourselves. A mystic secret worth keeping. One that I won't waste on the little beast. For more SoCal Bite audio essays, visit SoCalBite.com. That's S-O-C-A-L-B-Y-T-E dot com.